What is going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. If you don't know by now, I'm your host, Jared Magazine. And before we get into this episode, huge shout out to my dad for learning how to listen to a podcast. Um, guaranteed at least one one listener this week. And a huge thanks to Alexandra Cooper of the Call Her Daddy podcast for waiting till Friday to launch her massive episode with Miley Cyrus last week. I'm glad my people got to your people. We could find an agreement and you agreed to wait till Friday so that you weren't distracting my listeners and our listeners together got to listen to both of our great, great podcast. So thanks, Alex. Big shout out to you. Uh, But without further ado, let's spend the next hour talking to a much cooler person than myself. And let's get to this week's show. So TikTok, is it staying? Is it going? We're not too sure. We're just about a month away uh, that Trump was going to ban TikTok. Uh, In recent news, it looks like he's going to wait till after the election. Um, so not too sure, but don't worry guys, normal guy, lazy eye has you covered. We have our first ever TikToker on today's podcast. He's more than just a TikToker. He's a comedian, actor, YouTuber, podcaster. The guy's literally everywhere. Um, he's a Boston born and raised comedian. Um, so definitely super excited to have our first kind of Boston native on the show. I know a lot of my listeners are coming from that area, so I'm really excited to bring on None other than James Devaney. So if you haven't heard of James Devaney yet, you definitely will after today's show. And I definitely um, encourage you all to go check him out all over YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram, you name it. The guy's literally everywhere. I bring it up several times in the interview. Um, but I also brought up the fact that we're supposedly best friends. Um, so obviously, um, you know, guys, I am new to this. Um, there's going to be some hiccups, but it was a fun interview. The guy is a genuine dude, and I was really excited to have him on. So without further ado, here is James Devaney. Awesome. Well, I want to welcome on my good, my new best friend, James Devaney. He is a YouTuber, a podcaster, comedian, TikToker. I mean, I don't think there's anything this guy isn't doing at the moment. James, how are you, man? What's up, man? We're, we're best friends already. We don't, We just met. Uh, man, I, I, I think we're gonna hit it off. I really <laughs> think kidding, we're gonna hit kidding. it. <laughs> How's, how are things going? How are things been in uh, in LA? LA's been good. Besides, uh, it's pretty strict lockdown over here. Like we were just talking, they just started opening gyms a week and a half ago. Um, restaurants and bars are kind of open in some areas of LA, more Orange County, but like still very stringent in terms of like being able to go in. It's fucking plexiglass everywhere. Um, they're about to <laughs> they're about to close these down again because of the spike in cases. Despite the fatality it's, rate still being low, but I mean, it's your, it's, it's your it's guys' ridiculous. fault, man. You aren't washing your hands, you aren't dude. Wearing I, masks. No, the, the ironic thing is, I've been so like meticulous in terms of sanit- in personal sanitation for years. Like, I'm the guy who has the sanitizer and his cup holder in his car that everyone makes yeah. fun of when they come in my car. And now, yeah. now look at me, assholes. Look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been opening doors who, with who my elbows you? for who years. <laughs> That's so funny. I, that's, I mean, yeah, like now you see, like, I mean, I have gloves on hand. I got the mask. I mean, dude, if you leave the house and you forget the mask, I mean, you might as well just cancel the whole day. It's, right? it's kind of ridiculous at this point. Like you need a mask. <laughs> you need like your going out mask. You need your car mask. You need like your laptop mask. You need like your just going for a walk mask. You need your mask yeah. at work. You have masks everywhere. It's ridiculous. Oh, uh, did you ever see the video of that woman at the gas station who cut the hole in the mask? Well, no, what'd she do? 
Oh, she went like she went to the gas station, you know, put a twenty on, said, "Oh, can I have twenty on five, whatever?" But she cut a hole in her mask, and like the guy, the guy behind the camera is like, "Oh, I really like what you did with your mask." She goes, <laughs> yeah, like you know, they they make you wear these things now, and it's hard to breathe. So I figured, you know, make it easier to breathe. And he's like, "Oh no, yeah, definitely try that." I mean, technically, <laughs> she's wearing her mask. <laughs> yeah, right. And she's I mean, doing. She's following the rules. The, the mask things are weird. I mean, I understand slowing the spread and everything but the thing is if you're going inside yeah put your mask on if you're going around elderly oh, yeah. people put your mask on and out oh, yeah. in public walking around in daylight i or outside i think it's getting a little ridiculous i think i mean there are what there's one reported case in the entire country of china where it was transmitted between people outside just two yeah. people so that was just one time so like i think indoors wear it do you do your do your due diligence the quicker we get this through we can open up again but outside is getting ridiculous it's Come on. Yeah. I'll tell you when I'm running on the Charles, I like I get the either the nastiest looks or like, you know, just if I'm not wearing a mask and I'm running, people are like, Oh my God. Well God, this everyone guy. got scared again last week over it, everyone forgot about COVID for like yeah, half oh, a, yeah. half a month and now it's bad. Oh yeah. Now everyone cares. Yeah. Befo- yeah, before now, now before it's all flat the protests, the curve, people were outside not wearing masks, but now the now the masks are back. They get to scare you this way now again. I know, man. It's I hope this nuts. ends soon. It's gonna. It, we're not. We're not gonna see this till the end of like 2020. Well, I mean, it's not gonna <laughs> stop until there's a supposed vaccine. If that ever happens, right? If that ever happens. But oh, <laughs> all right. So you grew up in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of TikTok haters out there that say you aren't from Boston. Where Where did you? Where were you? Where were you born originally? Where did you grow up? So I was born in Malden, but my family's from yeah. Medford. So like my the first place I ever lived was I was in Medford, but we moved when I was one. But my older brothers grew up in Medford. My my parents are from Medford. Like my entire extended family's from Medford. Like both sides, mm-hmm. my mother's side and my father's side. Um, then we moved to Waltham when my when I was one, and that's where my father started his business. Um, it's still in Waltham today. He's still, he's probably in the fucking office right now, taking a nap in the back. Um, <laughs> it's on Moody Street still. It's been there my whole life. Um, I So I lived in Waltham until I was 25. Then my brother and I moved to LA. So, I mean, I don't know what these haters want from me. I'm just haters being haters, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if you didn't grow up in East Boston and you got your Tims on and you're like, you're conceived in Fenway, you're not from Boston. Yeah. Right? It's like people that, grew up on the red line. That's the only way you're from yeah. Boston. But Boston's right. so prideful, and like the people from Boston, yeah. I love Boston. But like, it's always people trying to out Boston each other. Or like, the cooler you are, the more the more Boston you are, the cooler you are. Like, the harder your life is, the more Boston you are. Like, the thicker your accent, the cooler you are. Like, the closer to like Southie you're from, the cooler you are. It's ridiculous. But def- like, so kind of take me through like how you grew up in Boston. Kind of like how I, I talked about earlier. Like, it's either that blue collar working class from the heart of Boston. I feel like there's like those two stigmas. It's either that. Or it's the yuppies, you know, and for those of you listening to the podcast that don't know what a yuppie is, I'll let James give you that definition. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> but you know, growing you, up in yeah. the suburbs of like Newton, Wellesley, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. I guess you could say I had a cliche uh, like Boston upbringing because I come from a very big family. I have five brothers. We're Irish, Italian. My, my father's Irish. My mother's Italian. Obviously, yeah. Boston was has always been kind of segregated. It was even more segregated in like the 70s and 80s. And like even the white people were segregated in Boston. Like the Italians right. and the Irish people did not like each other. So, I mean, I'm yeah. just like that typical half-half mutt Bostonian kid. Four bro- Five brothers, four older, one twin. My father has been running his own business for my entire life. So we grew up just like my mother raising six kids while he's putting food on the table. Grew up like very, very poor until yeah. – we didn't get our first house until I was like seven, but my older brothers were in high school by the time. But and before that, it was three boys to a room. Um, so Jeez. we grew up like wicked poor. 
Uh, but you know, we, we, there's food on the table every night, clothes on our back. So, so it was, exactly. it was, it's just like, there's six goddamn kids in the house. Like kids are so freaking expensive. Like, I don't know what like, oh my God. they cost per year, but like, just like the basic kid, it costs like, like a basic kid, like middle class, lower middle class kid probably costs like $30,000 a year, like on everything at least. So that's so crazy that, to yeah, think for about eight people. <laughs> but oh I mean, God. it was a good childhood. We played sports, baseball, basketball, football. Um, I got my ass kicked every day pretty much until I was 12 when my older brother started moving out. Um, yeah, I was in Waltham my whole life and moved on. We lived on the south side and then we moved on the north side. Um, I went to college in Westfield State, which is I had no idea where Westfield was until like I went to tour the school, which is just 90 miles west on the pike. And um, okay. I graduated there with a degree in media arts and video production, which I st- yeah. which I actually used, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, a huge ass family, Irish Italians. They just pump them out like nothing. Um, both right. sides of my family, mother's and father's side, they're huge. Just a bunch of cousins, a bunch of nephews. Uh, I have seven nieces and nephews. Um, Jeez. Yeah. My so the father, family yeah, reunions are, are pretty crowded. They used to be, and like Christmas used to be, but you know how how families be, like become more distant over time. Oh, yeah. But yeah, um, no, definitely. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Also, cliche. Yeah, my father owns his own small business. Then. My, half my family's in like AA or or has <laughs> substance abuse <laughs> problems. So like my father's thirty two years sober. So I've never even seen that guy drink. But you know he's been he's very in the AA community. So he's, yeah, he's I've like gone to, gone to meetings with him. And I used to give him his chip every year on his anniversary. That's awesome. So like I'm I've, awesome. I know like a bunch of different types of like Bostonians. That's why like I have such like a dense knowledge on like all the funny stereotypes and videos I make because I like I've experienced a lot of different things in Boston and different types of people in the city. No, yeah, definitely. No, that's that's a really that's a really um, neat piece you had there, just around uh, your father's experience in AA thirty thirty plus years sober. I mean, I don't want to get too much into it myself, but um, I grew up with divorced parents. My mother uh, tried to go the AA route; it didn't it didn't pan out, Mm -hmm. and it's it's. I mean, I have a lot of respect for those people because I mean, thirty two years—that's a long ass time. I don't think people realize that. It's like, yeah. they, you know, it's not more. It's more. It's definitely more than just a chip to them, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's awesome. Um, but so growing up, uh, you know, when did when did when did it click for you to get into the realm of comedy? How did you decide to go into the comedy realm? I didn't think about doing comedy ever. I mean, kind of. You know, everyone has those like dreams in their head, where like, oh, maybe I can like take acting classes, be an actor. Maybe I can like get into engineering and do that. Or like, you know, you always like have notes in your phone of like ideas that you never want to ever tell anybody about because you'll get made fun of or something. So yeah. like, I never really thought of doing com- comedy before. I love comedy, even until in my late, in my mid to late twenties, because I'm 30 now. I just turned 30. And then I didn't oh, really start. Think. Well, that was a couple months ago. <laughs> but, um, I, I work for a company where I make digital content for a living, and it's mostly just mo- posting and running a YouTube channel. It's it's a yeah. pretty good, successful one. But um, I maybe a year and a half ago, so I, I've been on the internet. I, I film, edit, write scripts, and I host. So I, I've already have on camera experience. And um, mm-hmm. I moved to LA to my brother and I to pursue film, and like our long term goal is to make movies. And then um, yeah, this job it's a production job, so it's it's a really good experience in, in learning. I still learn every day, but um. I was just that kind of thing. Like every video I put out, you, like as our channel grew and grew more popular, just haters come out and just haters come out of the work. And I would constantly be people <laughs> telling me nasty, horrible things on the internet on on YouTube comments, which is just a cesspool of humanity. 
and like, oh, I know. They were just driving me crazy. All these fucking things. I, I, whatever you can think of, I've been called it on the internet, and it oh, used to like piss me off. But then, then I started doing this thing where every week I would do a segment called Top Comments, and this is on our company's YouTube channel. But my boss was he loved it. It was totally fine with it. Where I would read off all these horrible comments I got every week, and then I would roast these people back, and then it was it was <laughs> hilarious and it was super fun. And then um, I eventually turned it into like doing like a Boston character called Boston Jim. And this is like, this is like three years ago. This is before I was yeah. doing anything. And then, right. so this is where like Boston Jim came from that like crazy towny Bostonian character I do, which people don't realize is it's like a parody character. I don't actually like walk around sounding like that. It's just right. for fun. But, um, <laughs> people think no, that's it's, really it's what you, I sound James. like. It's like, you. This it's is what I sound like. It's, like a, it's just a subtle Boston <laughs> accent. But right. um, so I started doing that and it started taking off. And then, I was like a year and a half ago, like people were like, dude, you should like start doing comedy like these videos because like, I would show friends and show my family and they're like, these are right. freaking hysterical. And I would just be roasting people online. And then I started like doing like sketches kind of maybe at the end. I think the end of 2018, like November 2018 was my first ever like sketch. And I didn't know really what I wanted to do. And it was kind of like a Boston, Boston, towny Boston version of like the Daily Show where I would do like okay. news stories and just roast current events but i didn't like that format and after a while i like evolved into like i then i started the podcast the boiler report podcast and that kind of was like my new like base of weekly content and then i would do like a sketch a week and then so then it's turned into it was like sketches but not like boston based really like something like the boss that's where the mass slang videos came from like yeah the, the part one the part two like i made those before i even had a tiktok and um okay so i did some boston content Mostly, but other creative stuff because I don't want to just only have Massachusetts fans, you know. So I did like a, a serial killer Target haul sketch <laughs> and like Uber driver sketches. I did all sorts of sketches. The land, the landlord sketch you just came out with. That was, oh, yeah, that was good. I, that I was... know that's definitely top of mind for you as you're yeah. looking for those new. Roommates. That's like the new that style was... I've been doing. Um, I love it. It's it's. I mean, yeah, you're definitely hitting kind of a broader audience, but yeah. I still feel like those Boston people still kind of creep into your comments every day. Oh, all the time, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> but then so like and then like it had been like a, almost a year producing all this content and like yeah I had kind of a following on Instagram like kind of followers on YouTube but not like organic traffic it's mostly like my friends and family watching my shit and then I'm right. like I kept hearing about TikTok so I'm like what the fuck is TikTok and then like I like fell into that cliche thinking mindset that oh TikTok's just for kids it's just like a kids app which is completely wrong it's I mean the main demographic I did research is 18 is 16 to 36 year olds so that's the main demographic you want for entertainment. Oh, yeah. And so then I just made a TikTok, and I had all this content already. I had I already had all those Boston slang videos. Those were already made. And then so I just, like, started cutting them up and, like, posting little segments. And, like, each one of those Boston slang videos is one big video I posted a year and a half ago. And so those yeah. – I, I never, like, have gone viral in my life before. And then two of them, like, I posted, like, five videos. And, like, one, one morning I woke up, I had, like, 10,000 followers. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? So, like, that's how I kind of went viral is with the Boston slang videos. And then it's just, like, steamrolled until, like, now, like, I've been on TikTok for, like, six months or something like that. So it's now, like, learning TikTok and, like, what content people want to see. But also, I don't do trends. I don't do dances. I don't do – I don't really succumb to the tr- what everyone else is doing. I do my own thing, which is, I think, right. what, why people enjoy my content. Yeah, I think – yeah, we were talking about this before the show, just, like – you're not you're not doing the same dance everyone's doing you're not doing the 
this this uh you know this you know this one or this one or whatever uh but yeah it's the, the all the original content and and i think people will definitely start to go more that route hopefully in the future i don't know because like, like I, I when i first got on tiktok i was like wow i didn't know everyone on on tiktok was the funniest person alive and then right. you realize people are just stealing memes and turning them into videos or just copying other people's videos and it's like oh no one's actually this funny in real life right but i think that's what right. i offer is because like i i mean yeah i make my tiktok videos but like I have a podcast. I do all these original sketches. Like, all, I don't use other people's sounds. Like, all my sounds are original. Like, I don't fucking yeah. use anyone else's bullshit. So, like, I think no. that's why my fan base is is very loyal. I don't think people realize. I mean, because a TikTok is like sixty seconds max, right? Yeah. How much? How much goes into? Like, how much behind the scenes really goes into a sketch? Like, is it like? Is it days of planning? Is it? Is it? You know, you gotta have a good like. I don't know, costume or props. Or like, how much really goes into those sixty seconds that actually gets published on so, TikTok? So, from for TikTok, it's different because some of my TikTok videos, like the top five videos I do, those actually take some time because you know I'm writing out an actual script. I have to like, am I doing like the license plate one was was pretty good. I was doing those, but no, my bumper sticker, the five most annoying bumper stickers. Oh yeah. So you have to. <laughs> I have to do research. So. That is, you have to come up with the idea, and then I have this Google Drive full of like a hundred ideas that have just haven't had her script written for me yet. And so, like, so for example, I did that one like two weeks ago. So I have these five. I have this idea of do the five most annoying bumper stickers. Research bumper stickers. Like, what are my, my my least favorite ones? And then you have to I have to come up with jokes for it. So it's like I'm not just saying, oh, this is an annoying bumper sticker. Oh, this is another annoying bumper sticker. Yeah. It's like talking about why is the I climb Mount Washington bumper sticker the most annoying bumper sticker, or why is why is the baby on board annoying? And then I and then that one I strategically placed a Bernie joke at the end, which pissed everybody off. Which oh, I think yeah. is why it went viral because I said Bernie twenty twenty is the worst bumper sticker. Which is, <laughs> it's just a funny joke, and everyone's like, "Oh, this kid's a, a maga twenty twenty I'm like, "Assholes! I just made fun of Bernie. It doesn't make me anything that you don't think I am." But, no, um, I think I think that brings up a really good point though, of like where comedy is today. Like like there's such I mean we see it like time and time again with these comedians, these stand-up comedians getting canceled. I mean, some of them are getting canceled for other reasons, but I think the, that fine line that you walk, and I don't even want to say that you walked a fine line and saying a Bernie Sanders joke, but like, you have to be like, am I teetering on the politics? Am I going to get called a MAGA fan? Am I going to get, you know, canceled Trump supporter, whatever? Like how, how do you think comedy has really changed in this new kind of cancel culture for lack of a better term? I think it's really tough for comedians right now navigating the waters, especially like you're saying, like crossing the line. But now there's so many lines that you're just kind of in this box of just like all these shapes that you can't you can't step over this line, can't step over that line. And kind of the thing with the thing with Trump or like being conservative or being anywhere like maybe in the middle, a little to the right or libertarian is it's a career ender in the arts. It really is. If you're an Mm -hmm. actor, comedian, musician, if, if anyone finds out you're conservative or anyone finds out you're Republican, then your career is canceled. Which is, I mean, I completely agree that everyone should be able to believe in what they want. And I don't give a fuck if you're a MAGA fan. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a liberal or a conservative. Like, if you're nice to me and respect me, I'll be your friend. I don't care what your political views are, really. But it's that's taken over almost every art form right now that it's kind of hard to say. Like, yeah— I that was my that that Bernie joke's the perfect example because I did it on purpose because I knew it would make the Bernie Bros bros crazy and I knew yeah. people would call me a MAGA fan even though I've never expressed any support for Trump or MAGA or nothing but it's just one of those things where just a little a little mention of it freaks people up but the ironic thing is 
SNL makes fun of Bernie Sanders every fucking week. You know, and the, it's on the, television and it gets open. millions of viewers. And yeah, exactly. Every time, um, what's his name? Uh, Larry David does an impression of Bernie Sanders. They're making fun of Bernie Sanders. So what is SNL MAGA? It's just the world's become so sensitive that you, you can't talk about anything. And politics has just corrupted and invaded every art form, which is it's pretty scary. Um, yeah. But so that's why I don't really do politics very often. I kind of was teetering with it a couple months ago, but like I don't want to just divide my audience and limit myself to what I can do. So I I lean in the middle, really. Like I don't really belong to a party. And, yeah. Um, I kind of just. For me personally, when it comes to politics, I'm just free thinking. I I like things on both sides. I don't like things on both sides. Um, I'm not because I think once you pick a side, you have to be loyal to every single ideology that that side says, which means that you can't really think for yourself. Like exactly. let's say let's say you support all these things, but there's on there's a thing on the other side that you you really believe in, but you you can't there's, you can't you can't cross the line. No, so it's like, I, yeah. <laughs> point of no return. It's ridiculous, it's, and I think yeah. when it comes to being a comedian or doing comedy, you, you, politics, it's tough, man. You kind of, you can't be, unless unless that's that's your thing, unless you're like a conservative comedian, which there are very, are, are very few of, or like a Republican mm-hmm. comedian, like right. you, you just really can't really touch it, unless you do it in a very unbiased safe way that really doesn't offend everybody i don't know it's it's weird it's really weird yeah that's no, why i, I stick I, to the stereotypes like vegans and shit <laughs> i love it i love it no the vegan the vegan jokes were unreal they're they're i mean perfect i mean hit it right on the head for sure mm-hmm. um but so uh you, you know you told me you you mentioned earlier you made the move out to la when mm-hmm. you were 25 um was there i mean was it i mean it, obviously career driven but what was was the was the comedy realm in Boston not doing it for you? Was it specifically for the job, or like why why the move to LA? Oh, I didn't even get into comedy until I was already in LA for three years. Like okay. I just started doing this like a year and a half ago, like the comedy stuff. So oh. well, my brother and I moved here. Our our life goal is to make movies and, and be producers, writers, and screenwriters and directors. So like that that's our long term goal. That's our life goal, and that's our passion. And that's why I moved out here together. And then so you, you know you move to a new city. And you kind of like get overwhelmed, especially when in LA, you know, you, you, you it's kind of naive and don't understand that, you know, there's a million people doing the exact same thing you're trying to do. And then, um, yeah. So for me, um, I found my production job, which was good because I get to work in production every day. And my brother freelances production. So we're still doing production. I'm still editing every day. I'm still writing every day. So I'm still harnessing and, and working on my tools and my craft. I mean, I'm not directing a movie, but I'm only 30. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and whatever time. I'm at the point where whatever Avenue gets me to the point where I can make that dream come true. I'm going to follow. And, you know, this comedy stuff, it, it was really nothing at first and wasn't leading anywhere, but you know, now I'm starting to get attention. You know, I'm up to 75,000 followers on TikTok, which isn't a lot, but the organic traffic on everything else that I do has increased so much because of it. And, um, so I'm, I'm just following whatever Avenue takes me to get to where I want to go as well as. The comedy is really freaking fun. I have a lot of fun producing the content yeah. and coming up with the ideas. And back to the other question in terms of like how long a sketch takes to make, it depends again. So like the the top five videos are probably quicker, but like when it comes to like did you see the Target Hall serial killer video? Oh yeah. So that one was basically like Target Hall is a very popular thing on YouTube, which drives me crazy. These girls just go to Target and film themselves buying shit. Oh I know. And so I <laughs> made I made a parody on it. 
of I was a serial killer, like shopping for a kill. And so basically I had no script for that. My brother and I just went to Target and we just improvised. We'd go through each aisle and be like, what can we use first for a line? And so we, that, that was kind of easy to make. But like the other versions of sketches that I've been doing now, like the new style is like I'll pick like a, a, a kind of person, like a CrossFit person or a vegan or like I'm going to do a, a, my next one's going to be on people who juice. And I basically like oh. come up with like 20 one liners that I can think of for that person and film that. And in my backyard because of Corona. So like my backyard's like <laughs> set right now, Yeah, which is funny. It, it works. Yeah, and it works. Then, um, once things start lighting up, I can get more into like uh, more creative sketches. Like I've, I've done one with another actress who was, it was like a uh, first date with a Bostonian with Boston Gym, which was wicked fun. That was super was really funny. funny. That was so Yeah, good. So like I actually built a set for that and like actually I was like a real script. So that, it just depends. I mean, coming up with the ideas and the lines is probably the longest part of it maybe that takes a couple hours total coming up with like 15 one-liners right um and then editing isn't that long because i mean i edit, i can edit with my eyes closed i've been doing it for so long <laughs> but um it, it really just comes down to just just coming up with ideas because the idea that's that's nothing i'm short of at the moment like i have just a google drive full of fucking stupid ideas that some are good some are bad it's just like putting the work in is just getting motivated to do it whatever it is you want to do definitely Definitely. Yeah. And then you, you, you started the Boiler Report. You started it back in uh, early 2019. Um, originally, mm-hmm. you, you were doing it solo, but you, know, you talk a lot about your twin brother. Um, I also have a twin brother. I would say that based on you know, how you guys talk or how you talk about Leo and, and your brother and all you guys do together, we definitely don't have the same um, connection. I have a fraternal twin. And he's gonna kill me. He's, <laughs> oh, yeah, so it's not the same. He's gonna either. kill me when he watch or when he listens to this podcast. But like, how did you guys like? Did you were your eyes always so close, like through grade school and everything? Because I'll tell you, like my twin and I, like it was competition after competition after competition all over yeah. and over. And then you know, ultimately, he lives in Baltimore now. I live in Boston or Somerville. Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, and <laughs> but like, yeah, how did you guys like? How, like, how does it work with you guys like being so close and, and kind of working together like that? So the Boiler Report podcast, I actually used to have other guests on yeah. before. I, so, and then because of coronavirus, I started doing it by myself. And then I was like, I need someone else here to talk to. So <laughs> then I had Leo come. And so he's been like my main guest for like the last seven or eight episodes. Yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of being close, right now we're probably the most close we've ever been in our lives. We're, we're completely best buds in every way. Um but it hasn't always been like that. You know, you grow up in a house not only with an identical twin right. who literally, like, looks just like you. You kind of sometimes don't feel like your own person. Um, you share everything. I mean, you're a twin, so, you know, you share everything. Yep. The gifts you get are, like, to the twins or, like, hey, it's the twins. Like, you kind <laughs> of don't have – you don't really have an identity sometimes. Yeah, like, no, you're, you're so just, right. You're part of, part of a duo. So you kind of feel like half of a person a lot of times. I mean, people treat you when you're young – like a zoo exhibit, like the, you're, you're like you feel like a hot. You understand what it's like to be a hot girl because you get double and triple takes. Except <laughs> it's not someone looking at your ass. They're just like, what the fuck? These kids look so much alike. But um, and we looked a lot alike until we were probably like twelve. Um, but we were, you know, when you grow up with with a twin brother and boys are rowdy and rough, and then we have four older brothers. It was just nonstop fighting in that house. Like you didn't hate each other, but like you hated each other. Like yeah. you always fought and you always bickered. It was competition over every single thing every little thing there was a competition every single day um we've had ups and downs um we've had like almost breakups too like where we haven't spoken for months at a time oh wow 
but that that's kind of just like growing up and like going through like your your 20s and then like you just see things differently and you're kind of like I think for twins when they're identical specifically and they spend so much time together they like need to like be free from the other twin and like like when I went to school I went to Westfield State I lived on campus and like you know I was out doing my own life thing and then when we moved to LA I think he needed to do that here and like we kind of like split up and like we didn't live together anymore and we had different friends but now he he moved into the house that I live in now Mm -hmm. and so he's been here for two years and still at first it was when he first came back to the house it was kind of still rough and, and a little rocky but like right now we're like super close we're best buds we do fucking everything together like we were kids because of coronavirus. Yeah. Like we go to the fucking gym together still. <laughs> we have different jobs, obviously. Uh-huh. But um, it's it's great to have a, a, a family member in the city that you move to that's so far away from home. And um, in terms of like the Boiler Report podcast, he's always happy to be, be my guest. Once Corona's over or like lighten up, I'll have other guests on for, for sure. that. But, um, but then because we have so much fun on it, we decided to start a movie podcast because we're, like I said, we're in, immense film geeks like yeah self-proclaimed movie experts and um we've always talked about doing a movie podcast and so we started it and launched last week it's called raiders of the lost podcast mm-hmm. play on the indiana jones i movie. love it i love it and so it's every thursday on all stream- streaming platforms it's kind of like the basically the same format as the boiler report podcast except just only movies nothing else no politics no i mean it's funny sometimes but it's not comedy it's not like anything else it's not sports it's straight up movies because all we fucking do is talk movies, anyways. When we're not talking about the Patriots, so it's kind of like we, it's kind of like we might as well film it. Like, why not? Yeah. And um, yeah. So it's been pretty fun. We've filmed four episodes, so we'll we'll be posting them back to back to back once once every Thursday comes. Then we'll film more and see how it goes. No, yeah. I I listened to the first episode. I'm I'm definitely pumped. You guys, you guys. I mean, the way you guys go back and forth. I I mean, I don't know if it's the twin telepathy. I don't know what it is, but you guys, you guys nail it every <laughs> single time. So that, I mean, I yeah, I was going to definitely talk about uh, your new podcast, Raiders of the Lost podcast, but wanted to see, I don't, I don't know if you got this kind of down yet, but do you have like a Mount Rushmore of your favorite movies of all time? Oh, my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> wow. That's kind of ironic. You say that because I, I kind of spit all the list on my phone last week. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me up. Like for fun. Cause I, I always like get asked that all the time. Yeah. Because that's like a really common question, especially like when I do live videos. People are like, oh, what's your favorite movie? Like, what are your favorite movies? <laughs> um, and for me, because I love so many movies, and it, it's it's kind of like any kind of art form. It's like hard to pick one. Like, who's your favorite band or right. your favorite musician? Like, right. Yeah, some people have them, but I like so many things. Like, So I have actually uh, – let me pull this up. I got this list of like 10, 11 movies. Okay. It's, I, it's not in order. This is not in order. Okay. It's just like a list of movies. Yeah, yeah. So we got No Country for Old Men. Okay. The Dark Knight. That's in my top four. Yep. The Departed. Okay. That's, yep. Okay. If you're not from Boston, then <laughs> that might not be on your list. <laughs> but if you are from Boston, it has to be on your list. Scorsese. This is one of his best movies. Oh, yeah. Goodfellas. Yep. There Will Be Blood. Okay. Pulp Fiction. All time. The Godfather Part 2. Gotta be Part I like 2. better than Part 1. Oh, yeah. I like Part 2 because they go back to Italy and it's got Bobby De Niro in it. Yep. Gladiator. Oh, that is such a good movie. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Okay. And then The Matrix. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I mean, it's definitely, like, like, all over yeah. the place. Yeah, so it's a bunch, bunch of different genres, mostly, like, dramas. Um, yeah. Well, you're going to laugh at my stuff, top yeah. four if I were to share that. Like, I'm going to get ripped apart. Give me your top four. Okay, all right. N- no judgment here. Uh, remember the Titans. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's just like it's it's definitely it's it's Denzel's top one of his best. I mean, Glory is obviously great. I just thought the story like he's good in it. My dad like I mean, sat me down when I was twelve and like you we had to watch it. And then no, from it was a great there, movie. Like, Denzel's one of the greatest actors ever. Oh yeah, but like I can name I could recite that entire movie. Okay, and then mm-hmm. you're gonna laugh, but Aladdin. I think I think Robin Williams in Aladdin is like all time. I mean, it was like, I don't hate that. I was like, I mean, hey, it was like, like, yeah, like Disney. It, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a Disney freak. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I go to Disney every summer. Um, cause I, <laughs> I went to the original Disneyland. I'm not like you East coasters that go down to Florida. Um, okay. And then the breakfast club. Hey, you're an 80s movie fan. <laughs> and then I feel like you have the same taste in movies as every girl I've ever dated. Oh, great. That's perfect. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> and then, like you said, you said it earlier, but The Dark Knight is definitely um, on my on my route. Wow. I mean, it, that's a pretty eclectic taste of film right there. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. But like, I, I mean, I don't really have like a favorite genre. Like when mm-hmm. my girlfriend and I sit down to watch a movie, it's always like, I don't, I don't really care what you throw on. Just don't throw on like. Love Actually or something like that, but like, bro. I mean, I'll <laughs> I'll watch a rom com if it's like got good actors in it. Like, I'll watch The Notebook. Like, okay, whatever. yeah. Who gives a fuck? I mean, that's a classic. Like, you can't go wrong with but The like, Notebook. I mean, I I I mess with some rom coms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I know we I know you got like ten minutes left. I know you got to wrap up here. So I figured mm-hmm. as you're talking, we're talking Boston to L.A. and I'll call it Orange County, but we'll say L.A. to Boston. So the two guys that have kind of now lived in on the both sides of of the coast. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest news, we're recording this right before the 4th of July. It's probably going to come out hopefully in August when I get my shit together. But um, Cam Newton just signed to the Patriots. And if you, yes. if you just let me give my two cents for 30 seconds, and then I'll give you Do the it. floor. Okay. I, I mean, so if you've been living under a rock, the Patriots have parted ways um, with Tom Brady, uh, the beloved 20 years, six rings, you name it. I felt like you guys went under a rock and went into hiding and didn't talk to anybody after that happened. I mean, you guys had your two, you had your, you had your moment. You, you know, Tom Brady, whether, I mean, some of, some of your fans were like, screw this guy. He's dead to us. Mm-hmm. And then some of you who are real fans and like, you put out a great video, just like, what does this guy owe you? I mean, like literally mm-hmm. he gave you six rings. I don't know what else he, he has to give you, but now you signed Cam Newton to a one year deal and you've trashed this guy, his entire career. Because you've had Tom Brady, but now it's hell yeah, we're going back to the bowl, baby. Belichick knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Like it's we're doing this right. So like I don't know, what's your take? I, I've always, I mean, you're a Patriots fan through and through. I can't stand the Patriots. I'm actually an Eagles fan. I decided mm-hmm. to disclose this late in the podcast. So if you don't like me, we only have a few more minutes. But <laughs> bro, anyway, so <laughs> with sports fans, so. I grew up in the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry where the Red Sox sucked so bad. I grew up cursed the Bambino, everything. Yeah. And once the Red Sox won that 4 World Series, the city deflated. Like, tension was gone. Yeah. So, like, I don't hold, like, crazy animosity towards other teams like I used to. So, like, I don't give a fuck you're an Eagles fan because guess what? We have fucking six rings. You have one. What are you going to say? Well, we so got the really one against you, you guys. Say to me. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's know, nothing I you know, can say to me I that know. gets under my skin right. about it. You, but that's just where I'm at as a sports fan. I wish and you were also, like the others. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with, with being a sports fan, I think the only true ones are consistent. So the ones who support this guy because he's here but then don't because he leaves. So like Tom Brady, like like in that video I said, what the fuck's this guy owe you? Mm. 20 years, pay cut after pay cut, three MVPs. You never had a losing season. Always had double-digit win seasons, except for I think one year he went nine and seven. Still a winning season. We're in the, <laughs> competing for a Super Bowl every freaking year. Yeah, six rings. Like it's the greatest run in sports history, bar none. 
in general, sports history. Bar none, yeah. And so, for me, when Tom Brady left, um, I found out the morning before work. Like, I woke up and I found out. Because I thought he was going to stay, man. Like, part of, you, part of me prepared myself for the, for the breakup. You know, it's kind of like... When you're in a relationship and you, it doesn't feel like things are going well, you kind of get to be smart. You got to prepare yourself. Like, what if this doesn't work out? So I was mentally preparing myself for the possibility that Tom Brady leaves because I knew it wasn't 100 percent he's going to stay. Yeah. Um. So when he left, I was I woke up devastated. It felt like a family member died. <laughs> but then I didn't react immediately. Like I didn't go crazy with a video or anything. I just tried to take a step back and try to. Try to look at what I've had. Like most people, when it comes to anything in their life, they don't look at what they have. Instead, they focus on what they don't have. You know, we just had the greatest quarterback of all time. I'll say he's the best football player of all time for sure. Most people don't, but yeah. the greatest quarterback to ever live. Yeah. For 20 years. 20 years, that was my almost majority of my life. Yeah. Tom Brady was the quarterback with the Patriots. So we've been so spoiled. We've been so fortunate to have this guy on our team for so long. So, like, my, my feelings changed from. I was never angry at Tom. It's just more of just like a disappointed feeling. But like I, I have nothing but respect for Tom Brady. I'll never say a bad thing about him unless he obviously he like chops someone's head off. Yeah. But like I'll never be upset about him leaving the Bucks because you know what? The guy gave us everything we ever wanted. Yeah. And so I don't care that he went to the Bucks anymore. It sucks, but it was going to happen at some point. I mean, he's not going to play quarterback until he's 46, 47 years old. So we had to get rid of him at some point. It was going to end. Um, we still got Bill. Um, yeah, a lot of people forget that. Back to, yeah, <laughs> and so with with Cam Newton, I've always liked Cam Newton. I've always said he's a freak of nature athlete. He's not the most consistent quarterback, but he's a great he's a great player. When that guy came out of college into the NFL, go watch his old highlights. Oh. The guy was a fucking monster at Auburn. Oh yeah, yeah. And then when he came in the NFL, his first season in the NFL, he lit the league on fire. He was like Lamar Jackson. Right. He lit the league on fire. Yeah, everyone forgets that. Yeah, and Cam. He's such a phenomenal guy. He's a freak athlete. He's so good. He's so talented, but he's not a great pocket passer. He's under 60% completion percentage. And then, you know, that MVP year, he was so good. And the, everyone forgets the Panthers, they were 15-1. and one. They yeah. went into that Super Bowl 17-1. and one. Yeah. Like, you can't not be a great player to lead a team to that, no matter how good your defense is. And no matter how so bad Cam's they got dominated player. in the Super Bowl, but that's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what the, the thing with Cam, I always liked him a lot until yeah. the Super Bowl when he didn't dive on that fumble. Oh, yeah. So when he didn't dive on that fumble and kind of backed away because I guess he didn't want to get hurt or wherever, that took a lot of respect that I had for Cam Newton in terms of being a quarterback and athlete. I lost a lot of respect for him because— you got to fucking win. You're in the Super Bowl. Why are you worried about your your health in the future? This is like might be your only chance to ever win a Super Bowl. And it probably could be the only time I'll ever be in a Super Bowl. So I lost a lot of respect for him. But I mean then, you know, that was 5 years ago and I with him, he's such a injury-ridden guy that he's I feel like he hasn't been healthy since like 16, 17. So like yeah. we have we've kind of missed out on cam at the tail end of his prime he's not his prime anymore no. but we missed out on a lot of good cam years because he's still a, a freak of nature athlete i think he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder so like if if the patriots signed cam newton to like a 25 million dollar two-year deal deal i would have been upset right but we just signed a former mvp to basically a seven million dollar a year contract for one year what the fuck? That's awesome. And he's the only you're the only guy you're the only guys that offered him too. It's it's crazy. It's I figured he was gonna sign at some point, but like that is a steal. Yeah. That is a bargain and a half. And that's just Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick. Like 
I'm all for it, man. Like, if you asked me this two months ago, I'd been like, no, nah, I don't want Cam Newton. But yeah. you know what? Given the contract, it's really a $1 million contract with incentives up to $7.5 So he's basically, he just got an MVP for free. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Which is absurd. Like, I think it's only happened two times in the history of the NFL where an MVP leaves a team and they get an MVP back. Um, it happened with, like, Kurt Warner and someone else when they left their teams. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'm I'm very curious to see what what the team's gonna be like. Um, I've never really like said I hated Cam Newton. Never. I've I've been against him signing with the Patriots. But now I think after like letting Tom Brady leaving sit in and then realizing for two months that we have a fucking unknown guy who's gonna be our starting quarterback. When Cam Newton got signed yesterday, I was like fuck. Yes, let's do this shit. Fuck Stidham. I don't even know if this guy can play football in the <laughs> NFL, let alone be a quarterback for the our playoff team. Right. Give me give me a veteran, freak of nature. I bet you I bet you Josh McDaniels has been salivating at the mouth to have a running dual threat quarterback on his team for for years. For I sure. mean, the guy for drafted sure. Tim Tebow. Yeah, exactly. Um he he tried to draft um Lamar Jackson. So I think he's always wanted to have that. And like when you think about Patriots offense, yes, Tom Brady's the GOAT, but he's a very He's very accurate and very good quarterback. He's the most clutch of all time, but he's but he's limited. He's not mobile. He can't fucking move much outside of the pocket. He's great moving inside the pocket. He's he's probably the greatest pocket quarterback in terms of mobility inside the pocket and escaping hits and escaping the rush. But in terms of getting outside the pocket, the guy's never been able to do it in his career because right. my freaking if I had like a, a quadriplegic is faster than Tom <laughs> with the football in his hands. But like, I think they're going to be very curious what they can do with the offense. Because it's so limited to begin with, because we have such bad wide receivers, and I mean our running backs are pretty decent, but like our, our offense is garbage. But now you just change the whole thing up, and now no one has like everyone has twenty years of film on the Patriots Tom Brady system, yeah, and Tom Brady's offense, yep. but no one has ever seen the Patriots Cam Newton offense and what that's going to look like. So basically, it's a fresh start for the team yeah. in terms of like no one knows what the fuck we're going to do. No one knows at all what we're gonna do. Like play action just changed. Everything just changed. So is it is it so, is it playoffs or bust now? I mean, I felt like you guys went from absolutely. tanking for Trevor Lawrence to it. no, 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 no. No one was gonna tank. Mm. I can tell you that we weren't <laughs> gonna tank. I would, I would, I would swear to God, I would think about not supporting the Patriots anymore if they did tank. Okay, I'm not that I think they would, but I don't want to support a team that tanks. I don't believe in tanking at all in any sport, really. I think it's terrible, especially for the Patriots to do that because of the culture they've built over the last two decades. Tanking would destroy the fan base. Every people yeah, would leave. I agree. I swear to God. Well, it's, like, I it's don't want, like I don't you, ever want to tank. Yeah, it's not like you live in a, in a sports town right now in LA. That'll, that town it's, will, it's not a sports it'll town. Never it's be, a fake sports I don't, town. And I'll tell you why. It, you, I can literally point out to one clip. It's when the, the, the Rams kicked a game-winning field goal to go to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And I saw a video in a bar. There were three people. And they were just like clapping, drinking like Bro, martinis. It's like, oh wow, we're going like that. It'll never be a sports time because it's full of transplants, and it, it it's just never gonna happen. I don't know why the Chargers went there. I don't know why the Rams went there. I don't know why we have money. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know why we have two of every major sports team there. But who knows? Maybe they'll get their act together. Who knows? But yeah, the the thing that showed me that LA doesn't have real sports fans is I've been to two Dodger games. The first Dodger game I went to was a regular season game like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And the fans don't start showing up to the fourth inning, and then they leave in like the eighth or ninth. Yeah, they got they better things to the do. <laughs> they're, they're not real fans. No. But when you go to Fenway, you're there three hours early. You're trying to see some BP. You're going to get a sausage and pepper on on Jersey Street, yep. which used to be Yaki Way. And then the other Dodger game I went to, 
I went to the Red Sox World Series clinching game five when we won the World Series. Oh, I went to that game. Must have been so and sick. Half the stadium was full of Red Sox fans. Like we all knew we were gonna win. Oh. And in the entire stadium, the whole time I was there, one person talked shit to me. One Dodger fan talked shit to me. And it was a 10-year-old boy, and it was hilarious. And I'm like, this is it. The whole entire stadium I got shit-talked to once. I love it. Whereas, like, if it's a Yankees stadium, I'm getting my ass kicked. You're getting killed. So they're not real fans. No. They're not real fans. No. No. All right, James. Well, this has been a a ton of fun. I have one last question I ask all my guests, and I'm definitely interested to hear your answer on this. So Dan Brazilian, I I, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm I'm sure you are. Yeah. So he's writing his autobiography or he just finished his autobiography and he came out with an Instagram quote or Instagram post saying he's allowing the fans to write the title of the book. Okay. So my question for you is if you had an autobiography coming out, what would be the title of your autobiography and why? Oh man. Um, that's a tough question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, don't stop talking shit. I love it. How's that? I like it. Why would you t- why would you call right. it that? Yeah, I think a lot of people are too afraid to speak their minds and not uh, express their true feelings. And talking shit is basically just saying what you feel. I love it. I love For it. For me. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. All right, James. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on. This I mean, I feel like we I feel like we hit it off. I don't know. You could you could you yeah, could call us best friends there. now if you blast. want. <laughs> but we're pretty close. Yeah. We're pretty close. We're pretty close. So definitely make be sure to go follow <laughs> James Ebony on Instagram, TikTok, James Ebony Productions on YouTube. Subscribe to the Boiler Report podcast, Raiders of the Lost podcast. This guy is killing it. He's everywhere, and he's going to continue to be everywhere. James, thank you so much for today, man. It's been a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks, Jared. It's awesome. All right. Talk to you soon. So huge thanks to my new best friend, James Devaney, for coming on this week's show. Links to all things James will be in the description of this week's episode, so be sure to go check him out. Uh, The guy is a funny, funny dude. Just a genuine man, too. So big thanks to him. Uh, But what do you guys think? Is TikTok here to stay? Does it need to go? You know, we we just don't know. One thing's for certain. It is a highly addictive app. It definitely got us through some uh, quarantine blues, for lack of a better term. But what do you guys think? I'm no expert, so I don't really have the best answer. Is China hacking us? Is Is it just another app that we all are addicted to, that we need, that we need in our lives? I mean, these TikTokers, are they going to lose their fame? Are they going to lose their fortune? Who knows? But I guess that's a story for another day. But that does it for this week's episode. Uh, As always, be sure to like, leave a review, share this podcast with any friends, coworkers, or if your parents are as cool as my dad and now know how to listen to podcasts, you can share it with them. I'm sure they'd love to hear um, this podcast and, you know, some cool people that we're interviewing. But again, that does it for this week's episode. I will be back next week with another great interview. So until then, I will see you all next Wednesday.